Um, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I grew up in a small town in southern Manitoba. Uh, my dad owned uh, an upholstery shop right on the same yard. We had a house and a shop. But my dad got sick. And so he couldn't really work. Like he worked, but like the amount of painkillers that guy took, the fact that he still has a liver is incredible. And I, you can tell I'm trying to joke because I don't want to talk about it. We were just really poor, like really poor. And I remember one Christmas, I, I heard about it after, but my grandparents had come to visit us. And as they left, my mom opened her Bible the next day and there was $200 bills stuck in there so we could eat for Christmas. So Christmas hampers for me is like, I was part of that family. And so when we bring on 20 families every year and buy them hampers, I am all over that. Because I know what it's like. And I wasn't even the parent, I was the kid. I can't imagine what my parents would go through to not be able to buy gifts or to not be able to have anything for Christmas. And one of the things that I always look for is... <laughs> I want to help the people who need the most help. <laughs> I don't want to show up at someone's place with a Christmas hamper, you know, when they have a brand new BMW on the driveway. <laughs> that doesn't feel that good, does it? <laughs> you know, we partnered with an organization that takes parents, parents who are developmentally delayed. This means that these parents will never be able to learn or be more skillful than they currently are, and most of them are less skillful than their children. They will be on AISH, which is a support program for Alberta government, for the rest of their life. They can't do any better. They can't pick up side jobs. They can't do things to just get a little extra for Christmas. So these families profoundly need help. They live from ace check to ace check to ace check. Sometimes their kids are doing their finances. So when you talk about families who need help, <laughs> my family, it was beautiful, but these families need help. So if you want to put your dollars in a place that changes lives, I can't recommend these families enough. 20 families who are trying desperately to keep their kids in the house when they don't really have all the skills they need to do that. And this year, we're giving them a way to make a beautiful Christmas for their families, something that they wouldn't have. This isn't a nice, this isn't a, oh, look, we're going to get a little bit more. This is a, without this, we're getting nothing. Our kids are getting nothing. So if you're interested in doing this at all, I can't recommend this enough. We started with 20 families. There was, I'm going to look back at Willow, who's running the table. Probably we started about 80 families, 80 people. We're down to about 16 people left if you want to sponsor them. You go outside, there's a table out there, grab a card. If you're online, go to friendchurch.ca slash hampers, and you can sign up to basically buy them gifts. It's a blast. You go to the store. I always pick the kids who want Lego, because I love Lego, and I know there's a cap on it. I may or may not abide by the cap. I'm like, oh, this one would be way better, right? This like Millennium Falcon, that's killer. Really, I want it, but whatever. <laughs> So if this is something you want to do, if you have a little extra this Christmas, again, I can't recommend this enough. These are families who profoundly need help. So you can go there. We also have um, 
don't quote me, but I think the number is about $1,700 in gift cards. Some parents are just like, no, don't give us any gift. Just give us our kids. And we're like, no, no, no. What can we get you? And there's things like, well, if you can get us a Superstore card, you know the parents aren't going to buy themselves something. They're going to buy food and stuff like that. But still, for a parent not to struggle over Christmas is a pretty beautiful thing. So if you want to donate to that, you can go to friendschurch.ca slash donate and just select hampers. Donate as much or as little as you want. $5 helps. $5,000 helps more. Think of it the next week. Just go on a coffee break and don't take, like, buy any coffees and just use that money. For them, that's a significant amount of money. So again, friendschurch.ca slash hampers. I can't recommend these families enough. Thanks, everyone. Hi there, my name is Kelty, and this is the part of our service we call charitable giving, although I felt like Vince was veering very close to just rolling right into charitable giving there when he was talking to you about friendschurch.ca slash donate, which is an opportunity for people who think of French Church as their community, their home, to give back, to enable us to bring services like this to you today, to enable us to go out into the community and do great things. So while you're there looking at the Christmas hampers, if you don't already donate to French Church, please do consider it. Um, you can give a one-time donation, or you can set up for pre-authorized giving, which allows you to give on a monthly basis. The pre-authorized giving we really like because it lets us set a budget. We kind of have an understanding then of what we can expect to have as the year goes on. The other thing is, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we rolled out a, a push to say, look, general donations have been a little bit down this year. We're looking for about $20,000 to help bridge the gap between now and the end of the year. I was chatting with Vince this morning, and he said, you know, after the first week, we were halfway there. So fantastic. And he said, now we are well past $20,000. And I will fully admit that I said, do we tell them that? Um, and we totally agreed that we should tell you that, because that is something to celebrate. That is something where this community has heard the call, has come to help us out, and has made that amount. And what that does is allows us to have some cushion going into next year. But do not take your foot off the gas. Um, please, we would urge you to continue to think about French Church as a place to donate um, and to allow us to bring these mornings to you, to go out into the community, to bring goodness there. I really hope she was listening, because that was beautiful. That was for your wife? Do you have green eyes? <laughs> if you're going to sing me that song, I do. She's like, I was practicing this last night, and she's like, yeah, you know I'm the only green eyes, right? <laughs> I, how long have you guys been married? I was there. Spot, come on. Yeah, you married us. You told me. <laughs> the other no, day? 2014. Okay. Yeah, now, I was at a show um, on Friday, date night. So me and my partner were out at a show. And halfway through a song on both the acts, they made a mistake. And then they just lost the plot and stopped singing. Oh, really? <laughs> and I had this moment where I was like, Man, I'm spoiled that I get to listen to you guys every week. We make mistakes every <laughs> But you don't stop and just fall <laughs> apart. And like, the guy's got this low, you just like, he fell apart. So how long have you been singing? Uh, I started singing, well, my earliest memories would be a very traditional church. Okay. With the, called the Psalter Hymnal, if anybody out here knows what that's called. I have no it's clue what that means. It's songs that oh, okay. pull out of the back of the uh, pew. And it's written on the board which songs everybody's singing. Oh. And so it's congregational singing. How old were you about that? What's that? How old? 
Oh, I don't know. I've been in church my whole life, so it's probably as soon as I could start reading. <laughs> I would um, I'd start to learn the harmonies, you know, like because I had oh, all right. the harmonies written out. That's right, because it was like in full like score. Yeah, full notation and everything, yeah. So like from as early as you remember, you've been yeah, singing. Yeah, and then I joined the church choir. Like, I, I don't know, I was, it was such an old people's church. Um, <laughs> so I was like the only kid. Long hair. My robe is a little long. <laughs> and when did you start performing where you started leading like this? Yeah, church still too. Yeah, I okay. started um, doing backup tracks. So I, uh, a singer is my, my first love. And wow. um, uh, I do enjoy writing music as well. But okay. playing instruments, although I know how, I'm not like going to be a maestro ever. <laughs> um, my brain just isn't wired that way. So I don't know. You, you fake it well then. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, we, I used backup tracks. So they'd have okay. um, songs that I, I would really enjoy. They were yeah. all very Christian. Okay. And um, it would just be a, 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 the track without any vocals, and they okay. would sing over top of that. So then I started traveling around to different churches and stuff. Doing really? Yeah. And then for a while, you actually were a pastor who all you did is, like, do music. Well, I was uh, music and kids. Okay. every small church you were at. Well, I was a bookkeeper as well. Okay, so, but you led music every week. Um, no, I ran the music department, so okay. we had other leaders and stuff, kind of similar to here. Okay. We had different bands and stuff like that, so, yeah. What I'm getting at is, though, you've been singing most of your life. Yeah, 100%, yeah. And still consistently performing, playing from the front. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I took a break there when, we, when I stopped, when I said I'm done with this evangelical stuff, I'm out. Okay. I just didn't do anything. And then we found Friends Church, and I still didn't do anything. <laughs> For a long time, I couldn't. It was like so Were much you still fun. singing, though? Huh? Were you still singing? I uh, just saw it on my own. Yeah, you know, actually, I did. Actually, there was a stint. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I would start doing stuff at the bars and stuff. Yeah. Nice. I forgot all about that. It was pretty traumatic, so I, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is this, folks. So we're going to do a little poll here. I want you all to be a part of this. Who do you want to hear singing lead on songs? Craigery? Put up your hand if you want Craigery. The other option is me. Uh, me. Come on, Craigery. Come on. <laughs> Vince? Where's my wife? Come on, babe. You got to put your hand up. <laughs> Thank you, Craigery. We love that we get to hear your voice every week. I'm happy to be here. So Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Let's give him a round of applause. Isn't it amazing how some people are just really good at things and some people are maybe less so? Today I want us to feel good and bad. So we're going to do a bunch of exercises together. And I actually want you guys to yell at the answers to me. If you're online and you want to text it in or put it in the chat, uh, Sean will yell it out to me. So what I want to get at is I want to look at how different people are good at different things. So uh, Peter, can you throw up the first question for me? I was on social media the other day, and this came up. Anyone have a math flashback where you're like, oh. Can anyone solve that for me? What's X? 30. Did you, do, did you have a calculator out? Oh, Rod, he plays violin, and he's a math wizard. How many, else, how many other people got that number? 30 for the first one, 6 for the second one? Nice. Another? Anyone else? Nice. Well done. Well done. Nice. Anyone feel just that your mind went blank and you started hearing these horrible sounds? <laughs> You're like shaking right now. You're like sweating. Like, <laughs> Okay, can you throw up the next one for me? 
Okay, okay, here's a good one. A company employee generates a series of five-digit product codes in accordance with the following rules. The code uses the digits 0, 1, 2, 3, and 4, and no others. Each digit occurs exactly once in any code. The second digit has a value exactly twice of the first digit. Wait, we're not done yet. Come on, folks. <laughs> There's people already like, time out, I'm out. I'm out, I can't do it. The value of the third digit is less than the value of the fifth digit. If the last digit is an acceptable product code is one, it must be true that A, the first digit is two, B, the second digit is zero, C, third digit is three, four, sorry, D, fourth digit is four, E, fourth digit is zero. What's the answer? A. A. Who got that one? Nice, nice at the back, anyone else? This is from the LSATs. This is how we test to see if someone's going to make a good lawyer. Guess who answered the question? Our lawyer. <laughs> Yay, Kelty. Okay, let's go to the next one, please. You can tell that I'm a math guy, right? Like half these are math questions. What's the answer? I'm looking at you, the engineer. I'm looking at you, the engineer. I'm looking at... <laughs> Anyone have the answer? Rod, we... 47. Damn, that guy's good. Who wants all math problems to now go to Rod? If someone needs to like, build a bridge and it's reliant on one math problem, probably we should have Rod solve that, right? Okay, throw up the next one for me. Can you name that tree? Okay, Rod, you got all of them. Somehow that guy's like the Trivial Pursuit King. Who, anyone else have it? Bougainvillea. Nice. My wife's a florist, and so we have like regular flower trivia nights. I don't often do well, but that one I know. Bougainvillea. Okay, next one. Which is the largest, strongest, and longest bone of the body? Femur, nice. If you break that one, that's bad, right? Okay, show me the next one. If you, say, if you want to say an object possesses something, do you use its or it apostrophe s? Nice. Math or English teacher, anything? Just like, what was that? Nice. And also good use of grammar. Well done. Okay, do we got one more? Can you show me the one of the faces? <laughs> if you have the face on the left, which is an oval face, which is the best haircut to exemplify? Or to ex <laughs> Does it look like I know the answer to this question? Does anyone actually know the answer? This is one I couldn't even find the answer. Two. Yeah, I have no clue. I say just shave your head and you'll be fine. There's actually people who know the answer to this. Do we have any hairdressers in the room right now? I'm trying to look. Okay. I'm going to call my hairdresser friends and get the answer to that question. I'll post it. What I'm, <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is this. There's certain things that people are better at than others. Is that fair? Rod pretty much killed it on all the math questions. So did, I forgot your name. I don't know if we've met, but you're killing it too. I like that. If we look through all the different areas of knowledge, some of us know more, some of us know less. 
Some of it's at schooling. Rod does chemistry. He teaches at Mount Royal. Uh, the lady here in the middle who knew the question to the grammar question, she's in commerce, so it's not an education thing because they don't teach grammar in commerce. They do? <laughs> Let me just say, in engineering school, they did not teach us anything about grammar. We had one English class. It was memo writing for engineers. He's <laughs> like, I can write a sentence. That's how you passed. And if we look through the, like, all of the body of knowledge, probably medical people know more than I do about the body. That's why we keep trying to recruit nurses and trauma surgeons to our dirt biking club. <laughs> I'm like, I'll fix your bike all day long. Just if we break something really bad out there, you need to splint us or like, I don't know, put us back together somehow. Sucking chest wound. So I want to just do this. I want to thank all the people in our lives who are better at us. From the people who sing better than us, who do math better than us, who know the body better than us, who can figure out which haircut I'm supposed to have better than us. So I just want to thank everybody who's an expert in their field. Because I truly think you make this world better. If I had to remember all the names of all the different medicines, so when I go to my doctor and she's like, oh, you need blah, 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 blah. Can't even remember what word she uses. She can remember every stinking medical thing that I've ever heard of. If I had to do that, you guys would all get Tylenol. It's also what I call pretty much every flower. She's like, hey, what flower is that? Bougainvillea. It's a rose. Yeah, I was close. <laughs> if you got an arrangement from me, it would just all be Bougainvillea. Everyone gets Bougainvillea. That's all you all get. The people who are really good at things make our lives better. They bring songs that move our hearts. They solve problems. They remember things. They know things. And there's a moment when, I don't know, growing up, but some of the growing up I had, people said to me, you can be anything you want to be. That's a total lie, but whatever. The reality is there's certain people who are better at certain things. And we can have bad envy around that. You know, I, I'm jealous of Gregory's beautiful stinking voice and makes us all swoon and my voice is all growly and it sounds like I have a cold half the time. Or we can celebrate the beauty of people who are better than us. Who bring better things into our lives because they can do something we can't. I want you to hold that thought. We're going to come all the way around and catch that again. This is the final week of our commandment series. I don't know about you guys, but this series has like blown my mind so many times. I love doing series when I just feel like I come out going, wow, I learned something. And today we're going to do a commandment that I've wrestled with for months, probably years. It says, thou shalt honor your father and mother. Of all the big commandments, why is that one there? Now, all you parents are like, Vince, shut up. This is the way I control my kids. But seriously, this one's up against, you know, thou shalt not kill. What if I had bad parents? What if I had dysfunctional parents? What if I had just like horrible parents? What if I didn't even have parents? Or I was raised by my grandparents or, you know, whatever. 
This one is on the top of the list. Thou shalt honor your father and mother. I sat with that forever, and I started to think, who first wrote this one down? And that's where something snapped for me, and it totally changed everything. Remember, this was written down probably, let's say conservatively, two or 3,000 years ago. But it was in oral conversation before that. And the people who first worked on this actually were nomads in the ancient Near East. So this is like Israel area, that whole area. They're basically small family units moving around following the grazing for their herds. Probably 10, maybe 20 people. Parents, kids, grand, or parents, kids grandkids, maybe great-grandkids. Family units. And here's the key. They couldn't read. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to not be able to read? When I go to the grocery store, I was, you know, it takes me, what, seven minutes to drive from my house to the grocery store? I'm at my house, I remember what I'm supposed to get at the grocery store. When I show up at the grocery store, do you think I can remember what I'm supposed to get? So what do I do? I have a grocery list in my phone that I write everything down. And suddenly I can remember more than I could before. But writing does more than just allows us to remember more. It does this really profound thing because in the ancient Near East, when you look at those nomad groups, the only learning you could have was learning that you got or the people around you got. There was no way to capture the learning of other people in writing and read it because they didn't have writing. Think of how much you learn from writing. Something breaks on my truck, what do I do? I go online, you know, 2007 Xterra, blah, blah, blah. Someone's written or come up with it. I will never meet them. I will never see them. I probably won't even know their name. I'll only know their pseudonym online. But I'll be able to learn from their experience. When we go to school, we learn from all the people who studied this area before us, learned a bunch of stuff, then without ever even seeing them, we can learn from them. That's the power of writing and reading. Now, folks, does that not blow your mind? And if it doesn't, just give me a, like a hell yes because you're feeling bad for me. The ability to take experience and transmit it across time and across space. I can learn from someone across the world that I'll never see. But if you take it back to when this thing was first written, thou shalt honor your parents. Small group of people, they can't read and write. The only learning they have is the people directly around them. The people who are there. And who's the person who's learned the most? Again, you can't take writing. You can't bring anything from anyone else. It's the person who's been alive the longest. You're like, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about farming, but like, hey, my sheep's not doing sheep things. How do I, how do I know what the problem is? I talk to my mom or dad. Hey, you guys, you've been doing sheep for like 50 years. What's wrong with my sheep? And they're like, oh, you're blah, 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 blah. I should have put a sheep question on that. The people who knew the most were your parents. 
And suddenly something snapped for me. What if this commandment isn't about the people honor my parents? What if this commandment is about talking about honor knowledge and wisdom? What if we look at it instead of, you know, honor these people, no matter how bad they are, how much they've treated me poorly, whatever, it's figure out the people in this world that know more than you and honor what they know. Now, you see why we did the whole word problem thing at the beginning? Honor your parents. Or, as I'm going to say, honor the experts. Honor them. They know stuff that we don't know. The other day, you guys all know that crappy old diesel truck I had. I've talked about it before. It's it's like the thorn in my side. When it finally blew up, I was so happy. I remember sitting on top of, it was an old diesel. So diesels don't start in the cold, or at least old diesels don't start in the cold. So whenever it got a little bit cold, I was stressed. I remember sitting on top of a, I was in the GOAT, so if you drive northwest of Calgary, some of the best ice climbing in the world, you, you drive four by four through this thing, down a creek, down a big valley. I'm parked in the middle of nowhere. We've ice climbed for six hours. I come down. I'm looking over the valley, and I can see my truck way down, like a little ant down there. My first reaction is this. Oh, that useless piece of crap better start. In my head, I'm doing the math. It's minus 10. We've been gone for about six hours. It's not plugged in because we're in the middle of nowhere. It's about a 10-hour walk to the closest human being. It's minus 10 right now, and I'm tired. Do I want to walk 10 hours to get out of here? That truck better start. Do you know the number of times that thing left me hanging? I have like PTSD around trucks starting in cold weather. And so when that truck finally blew up, I was ecstatic. I'm on the side of the road. There's coolant shooting everywhere. And I'm just like, finally, I can get rid of this piece of crap and buy something that's going to start in the winter. So I bought a 2007 Xterra. Yeah, I know I'm really big spender. I don't care about vehicles. I beat the crap out of them. But the day when it was minus 15 and I went out to my truck, stuck the key in and turned it, and all I heard was this. I literally lost it. I'm punching the dash. I'm screaming. I'm yelling at this thing. The one thing I wanted was for this stupid thing to start every time. I spent this money and it doesn't start. I'm already scarred from starting issues. So I went online, stupid ex-terra, stupid starting problem, stupid. And so I figured it out. Fuel pump, stupid thing. Ordered a fuel pump. The only problem is I got to cut the whole floor out of the back of the vehicle to get at the fuel pump. And I thought before I cut the whole back of my new truck, my new-to-me truck, I'm going to take it to my mechanic. I have a mechanic over here who's looking at me, and I can see this kind of smirk in his face because he knows where this is going. I'm going to take it to my mechanic and just double-check. I know I'm right. I'm pretty much an expert. I Googled it. So I take it to my mechanic. So my mechanic's about 50. He bought my old crappy diesel truck, rebuilt it in his spare time, and sold it for a profit. That's the kind of guy he is. He's been doing this, let's say, 30 years, 40-plus hours a week. That's about 60,000 hours of fixing trucks. 60,000 hours of fixing trucks. I Googled it. 
I walked in, I was like, buddy, my fuel pump's toast. I just want you to do a test. You can tell he kind of looks at me at this kind of like, you're an idiot. But whatever, if you want to spend your money on this, sure. So he hooked up this, his little gauge and blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, the fuel pump's not the problem. 60,000 hours, I thought my Google search was smarter than him. He's like, you know, Vince, I don't want to tell you what to do, but two weeks ago I was working on this exact same engine with this exact same vehicle with this exact same problem. And it turned out it was this thing completely different than what you think it is. Guess who was right? 60,000 hours against my Google search. And yet, I walked into the expert and told them something that I know very little about and they know a tremendous amount. My question for us all, whether it's your mechanic, your doctor, ooh, I definitely like going to my doctor and telling her what tests to run because I got a medical degree the other day. <laughs> One of my doctor friends has a, says, your Google search does not trump my medical degree. How much of our lives do we spend pretending we're the expert? When there's people around us who know infinitely more. Infinitely more. How I handle my money. My relationship with my wife. I've divorced already. My best thinking in relationships ended in a marriage. Why would I trust what I know about relationships as opposed to an expert? Think about that for a second. How many parts of our lives do we ignore the experts? Makes me think of what, what makes somebody an expert? If experts are actually knowing more than we do, what actually makes someone an expert? I used to think I was the expert, so I'm gonna give you guys some jargon. In old school traditional language that Craig was talking about, the Jesus character has this idea around it called the hypostatic union. I know geek, just, you know, Charlie Brown that word, whatever. I thought I was an expert in the hypostatic union. I spent a year studying the hypostatic union. I knew more about, so when we're sitting around the, the lunch table having drinks, you know, when the hypostatic union came up, I was like, oh, allow me, I'm an expert in the field. When I got to my master's degree and I started learning original languages, starting to do some research, it's almost like I looked over the edge of the cliff of the hypostatic union and I realized there is a chasm so deep here that I didn't even know I was on the edge of. I'm not even in the chasm. I'm on the top looking into the chasm going, I didn't even see it. It's a guy named Martin Chimnitz who spent 50 years studying the hypostatic union concept. He wrote a 500-page tome. I read it. I understood about a half of it. It's there, there's this amazing thing that the more you learn, the more you realize there is to learn. And when you realize an expert, an expert has gone, scaled all the way down into the chasm, explored the entire bottom of the chasm, and then figured out where the chasm went that no one else knew about, that's an expert. I thought I was an expert. My Google search made me an expert on my truck. And yet there's something more about expertise than just thinking we have the right answer. There's something more there. There's a lady named Catalin 
Carico. She's Eastern European, so if I've butchered her name and someone knows how to say this, please tell me. She's basically the grandmother of messenger RNA technology. It's a way to communicate directly with our biology. She spent 12 years going to grade school. 12 years. Got a grade 12's degree. Then she spent four years getting her undergrad degree. Then she spent another two or three years getting her master's degree. That was just so she could learn the language, kind of the basic language around messenger RNA technology. She then spent three more years on her doctorate learning new things about messenger RNA that no one else knew. Then she spent another number of years in her postdoc doing more research on it. Then, because she hasn't got enough expertise, she spent 30 years in a lab trying to figure out how to make messenger RNA work. Is anybody here more educated on messenger RNA than she is? If we summed all of our knowledge on messenger RNA technology and we put it all together, would we know more than she does? She has forgotten more about it. I'm going to do this out of order. Peter, can you throw up that Edison quote? Thomas Edison famously puts this quote up. He says, I um, can't remember. I've not, I have not failed. I just found 10,000 ways that it won't work. She spent 10,000 times trying messenger RNA technology, and it didn't work until she figured out a way to make it work. Isn't that an incredible incredible accomplishment that's expertise so here's the thing I want to say to you why do we follow experts I'm going to come back to her in a second why do we follow experts is it because there's a commandment that says honor your parents which I'm saying is honoring expertise Think about these commandments. Why are they there? Commandment starts, honor your parents, honor expertise. Then there's this next line. It says, so that your life, so you may live a long life, and a life will be good for you. Essentially this, honor expertise because your life's going to be better. My best thinking got me to a divorce. Pretty hard going through a divorce. It's pretty painful. I don't recommend it for anyone. Even when you need it, it's pretty painful. If I would have taken the advice of expertise, maybe I could have avoided that. Maybe I could avoid that with my wife now. We follow expertise not because there's some intrinsic spiritual good. We follow expertise because it makes our lives better. I took my suspension of my dirt bike into the shop the other day. Didn't have enough time to work on it. Get a call from the guy. This is the second worst suspension I've ever seen in my entire life. Who did this? I was like, I always do my own maintenance. It's like, uh, yeah, that might have been me. He's like, what were you thinking? I was like, I don't really know anything about suspension. So I was just kind of winging it. I take my bike out on yesterday. It is so plush and beautiful and lovely. Expertise makes our lives better. 
So what should you look at to find an expert? Right? Every Joe Schmo on the internet says, I read one thing, I'm an expert. But what's the things that we should look for to pick our experts? I have a few of them that I just thought about. Time in the area. Catalan, what was it, 17 years just to learn enough to be able to study the area of her expertise? Then another 35 years, 30 years in the lab, another five years in her doctorate and postdoctorate. When you're looking for an expert in any field, look for somebody who's been there for a long time. There's almost no areas in our current knowledge set that you can learn overnight. Almost all of them need years and years of work. You want someone who's tried things 10,000 ways and they all didn't work to figure out the way that worked. You want to have that level of knowledge. So think through. I've been doing this all week. How did I pick that expert? Suspension expert, Vince. My buddy has been setting up bikes for 20 years. Think of who you hold as the expert. Is your doctor who's prescribed and treated more illnesses in the last week than you've seen in your whole life? Is your mechanic? Relationship expert? Financial guru? Time in the field. Second one. Um... <laughs> are they speaking in an area that they're actually experts in? Has anyone seen this where someone's an expert in one field and so they're like, they're really smart, but they think that it makes them smart in all the fields? It's not really how it works. The other day I read a paper from someone sent me. It was a really good paper until I realized it was about uh, human uh, immunity, but it was written by a veterinarian. I got to the end and I was like, wait, What? Look for people who have actually done the work in the field that they're speaking to. When you want to ask about your car, you don't call the lady who figured out messenger RNA. You call your mechanic and say, hey, this is what's going on with my car. It's making this funny sound, yang, 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 and he's going to say, oh, yeah, I know what it is. Experts can correctly predict the future. They'll say, hey, if you use that bearing in that area, it's not going to work. And guess what? It doesn't work. They don't look from the past or in the future and say, oh, of course that bearing is not going to work. How, you know, why'd you use that bearing? No, an expert has tried so many different bearings that they know which bearing is going to work. An expert has tried so many things that they go, hey, look, if you try this in this context, chances are it's going to work. If you invest this way, if you speak to your partner this way, if you interact with work this way, this is probably what the future is going to hold for you. Finally, look for people other experts in their field recognize as experts. Picking experts is really hard. How in the world do I know if someone's an expert? You know, they talk really like they know what they're talking about. Does that make them an expert? Because then everyone on Twitter is an expert. Look for people that other experts in the field. The re reality is, that lady who designed messenger RNA, I tried to read some of her work. The language she's using is so out of my area of expertise, I can't even read her papers. How would I know if she knows her stuff? 
But if you read anyone else talking about messenger RNA technology, they will say, you gotta read her work. You gotta start there. She is the person. The reality is, though, we don't always listen to experts, do we? I know more than my mechanic. I did a Google search, come on. So the question is, why don't we listen to our experts? Why do we ignore them? One, because we don't trust them. They made a mistake once, made a mistake 10 times, I don't know. They failed 10,000 times. We don't trust them because we have values, beliefs, intuitions that don't fit the recommendations of experts. We're outliers. Some of us are so different that certain advice doesn't fit us. It fits the masses, but we're like, I'm on the far end. Or here's my favorite one. The main reason I think we don't follow expert advice is because we don't want to. My doctor says, Vince, don't drink Coke. Sugar's bad for you. Do I want to drink Coke? Yes. So what do I do? I ignore her. And then when I get diabetes, she's like, I told you, you idiot. But remember why we pay attention to experts. Because when we do, we learn the best of the best. We take the best learning in the world and we apply it to our lives. Our lives get better. I'm going to end with the last story. Uh, I told you guys my, my house burnt down. <laughs> I burnt my house down. I like to say my house burnt down. It sounds nicer than I burnt my house down. But the reality is I burnt my house down. Had a fire outside, caught the house, house went down. We got out safe, lost everything. Spent a year working with my insurance company, and they were pretty good for the most part. Until the end, we were trying to figure out how much money they were going to pay me to rebuild my house. And we had agreed upon a number, this big number, chunk. That was what my contract said. Once we agree to the number, that's the number you're going to get. But I wanted part of that amount of money in another part of the contract. I just wanted to like, take it out of this part of the contract and move it to another part of the contract. The lawyer over here is looking at me going, you did not, Vince. You can't actually do that. I didn't know that, so what I did is I said, hey, look, guys, I know we agreed to this number, but only give me a check for like, less than that number. And then I thought, they're going to take that tens of thousands of dollars and move it over here. Can you guess what happened? I finally called the lawyer. She's this lovely lady comes out. I don't know. Lawyers in my brain are on TV. You know, like, do anyone watch Suits? You know, $50,000 suits or haircuts or something. I was expecting she was going to come out in this, like, killer designer outfit. She's got this, like, frumpy thrift store cardigan on, and her hair is kind of funny, and her glasses are smart as a whip. Comes back two hours later. She's like, yeah, Vince, nothing in your contract says that you're going to get that tens of thousands of dollars back. Why didn't you call me before you signed? I thought, you know, everything I see on TV is lawyers are overpaid. They just try and take advantage of you. If I would have hired a lawyer before I signed off on that, she would have told me there's no way you should sign off on this, buddy. Let me wrap up this message in the series. We don't follow expertise 
because somehow they deserve it or they're, somehow we have to honor them. We follow it so we don't lose tens of thousands of dollars. So we don't pay for stupid tests that we don't need. So we don't go through divorces or sickness. We follow expertise to make our lives better, to make the world around us better. One of the parts of your spiritual journey that we focus on a lot is awareness. And here's the awareness I've been living with all week. What area of my life do I need more expertise in? Where do I need help? And why am I ignoring the experts? That's what I want to leave you with. Go through your life, parenting, finances, career, you know, whatever thing there is, and ask yourself, would expertise help me here? And why am I ignoring it? How do I find amazing people that can help? So that the world becomes a better place. That seems worth it, doesn't it? Folks, I hate to tell you, but there's people that are smarter than each and every one of us. It's a good thing. They can help us if we're willing to reach out. That's the end of the commandment series. We're going to start a new series next week. It's on trauma. If you're going to see family around Christmas, you need to be a part of this next series. <laughs> Have a great week, everybody. See ya.